Welcome to The County Agent, an educational podcast based out of the Barber County Extension Office, a local unit within the Kansas State Research and Extension System. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of The County Agent Podcast. This is Justin Goodnow. I'm one of the county agents in Barber County. And today with me is a longtime extension, uh, I'll just say employee for right now because she's served in uh, a few different roles, uh, but Kelsey Nordyke's with me. Kelsey, how are you doing? I'm good, Justin. Thanks for having me. You bet. And so clarify for me, because you've been a 4-H agent, you've been a, an agriculture agent uh, in, in a county. Let everybody know what you're doing now, what your new role is with extension, please. Sure. Sure. So I actually have a couple roles. So I am the Southeast Area 4-H Specialist, and I'm also the Kansas 4-H Program Specialist for Ag Sciences. So my regional specialist allows me to support 4-H professionals um, in the Southeast region of Kansas. So from Elk and Chautauqua County East, and then from I-70 South, I have a 19 county region. And then also I'm giving support to all of the ag sciences projects in Kansas 4-H. And uh, that's kind of a unique role. Um, And I don't really know what it looks like right now. (laughs) So uh, how long have you been in this role now? So I've been in this role for since November 1st. So not very long, just a little bit over a month. and I came to this role from Cowley County, where I served as an extension agent for just a little over 16 years. The first uh, 14 and a half years, I was the County 4-H agent. And then I switched to the Ag agent um, for the last couple of years of my tenure there, but really was 4-H and Ag at that time because we were we went from being a three-agent county to, do, to being a two-agent county. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I'd like to visit with a little bit today is um, I know you grew up in 4-H and you spent a a bulk of your career involved with 4-H. When when we look at today's society with with kids and stuff, why 4-H? I mean, I get it in these rural counties like where I'm at in Barber County, but you're seeing it at a bigger level and in some more highly populated areas. But what, what's the argument with why should we have kids in 4-H today? You know, I think the obvious reason is, um, and it's obvious to us because we're in extension or, or we're in 4-H, and probably it's not as obvious to those people who are not our traditional members, is it is such a unique opportunity for that youth-adult partnership. You know, um, even still... Today, people think that 4-H is for the farm kids, and they think that they can't be involved in 4-H because they don't live on a farm, But which is, you know, we couldn't be further from the truth with that. Um, But as a mom and also as, as an extension professional to watch these kids with these adults That, for me, is the main reason um, to have your kids in 4-H. Now, obviously, there's the other opportunities of them getting to try a variety of projects. We have over 30 projects in 4-H. And so, you know, kids oftentimes, if they're not involved in 4-H, they're not getting exposed to much more than their school sports. You know, they don't even think about the fact that they can learn about rocks. And, you know, I might not be interested in rocks, but... 
I've got a kid that loves rocks or loves insects and and you don't have that opportunity to explore those interests anywhere else than in 4-H. You know, I, um, I grew up playing sports. I wasn't a 4-H kid. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I've shared with people that I, I grew up uh, in, a, in a single parent home and uh, money was an issue, time was an issue. And so uh, the, the opportunity to be in 4-H wasn't there. I tried when I was a kid, lost that battle. But as I got older, I got involved in FFA, and I can remember the transition with Future Farmers of America to FFA, being where we're not targeting, quote unquote, farm kids. This is for anybody. Mm -hmm. And and, and 4-H is the same way, but um, if not for those programs, um, there'd be a lot less kids going to school, college. Yes, absolutely. We've got some parents, and, and I will say I am one of them that look at my children and say, I know you're gifted athletically, but you ain't gifted that much. And you'll fall <laughs> a lot farther in life with some real skills here in these projects than you are going to play in basketball or anything else. I'm not saying you can't yes. play that, but we're not going to devote 100% of our time to that. Yes. Uh, my, my best story is a, is a guy in this county, and if he listens to this or anybody else in our county listens to it, they're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. So I'm here. It's a wonderful story. Talked to him, uh, him and his daughter in, or talked to him, and then talked to his daughter about being on the crops judging team going to the state fair. Yes. So it would have been my two girls and his, and his daughter. They're all the same age. And he said, you bet. He says, we've already figured it out with her genetics. She ain't going to be that good of an athlete. So we're pushing her into crops judging and livestock judging because she's got a video. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's interesting because I had a similar experience within the first few years of me being an agent. Um, I was getting a, a livestock judging team started. In our county, we had a history of strong livestock and horse judging teams in our FFA programs, but we didn't really have that for our kids. And so I was putting that into place. And I had a dad who was highly involved in athletics growing up and had his kids involved, but he came and he said, nope, you're judging livestock. You can skip basketball practice tonight because you're not going to be a professional basketball player. You're going to use this every day of your life. And so um, I think 4-H gives kids the unique skills um, that they'll use every day, but that's not to downplay sports at all. So to be honest with you, this is the first year my kids have really taken an interest in sports. I have pushed 4-H because I see the value of that because I've been you know, involved professionally. And because of what 4-H did for me growing up, but um, I'll just reiterate those youth adult partnerships are key with 4-H and with anything else. You know, I I have a a nine-year-old son who played football for the first time this year, and now he's wrestling. My daughter has played a few things um, and she's involved in, she's 14 and she's involved in basketball in eighth grade. And so the thing that I'm seeing is my son who has five adult males who are coaching his football team, who truly have an interest in these kids, who connect with them one-on-one, and they pay attention to what these kids are doing, not just on the field, but in life. And then that carries over to the group of guys in our town who are coaching them with wrestling, where my daughter, who's trying basketball for the first time this year, never played basketball before, and there's the A team and the B team. 
Well, their coaches don't coach those girls together. They don't take an interest in them beyond basketball. And those two teams are two teams. It's not the eighth grade basketball team. It's two teams. And the girls don't feel valued by the coaches. They don't feel valued by the players. So those those adults that we have in these partnerships, whether it be sports or 4-H or whatever, are key um, to the development of our youth. You know, lots of times we join 4-H because of the projects and because of our interests, but it's not necessarily a 4-H project. We're not looking for these events or activities. We're wanting to give kids the experience and we have to do that through youth development and through program development. So we've talked a little bit about um, the impact that, that, that 4-H is having on your, your children. And I'll say, you know, it's, it's having an impact on mine as well. Mine's a little mm-hmm. bit younger. Um, and, and I will clarify that they play volleyball. They're fixing to start playing basketball. We, we rodeo a lot. Mm-hmm. We, we, we spread ourselves way too thin. If it was up to me, we just strictly do 4-H stuff. Yes. Yeah, I can say that because my wife. It was a lot easier when we only did 4-H stuff. I will tell you that. So I know uh, where you come from. Can you share a little bit about the the impact that 4-H has had on you personally of of where you started and where you're at today? Yeah. So I actually, I grew up in Grant County. And my parents never pushed 4-H on us. I'm the middle of three girls. My older sister is four years older than me. My mom grew up in 4-H and grew up on a dairy farm. My dad grew up with farming kind of in his background and kind of did some 4-H and some FFA growing up. But I'm one generation removed from the farm. And when I was little, well, and still to this day, I loved animals any kind of animals and especially livestock. And I wanted to be back on the farm. Well, of course, you know, when we were little, we always went to our county fair and I knew there was no way I was ever getting a pig or a sheep or a steer because we lived in town. You know, I didn't even think of that as an option, but the rabbits really interested me. But I knew if I told my mom and dad, I wanted a rabbit, they were not going to just get me a rabbit. So I devised a plan when I was, I don't know, seven or eight years old that I was going to get a rabbit. And my excuse for having a rabbit was because I wanted to be in 4-H. I knew nothing about 4-H. And I remember that conversation with my mom and dad because my my older sister wasn't interested at all until I was. And my mom said, well, if you do 4-H, you have to go to a meeting every month. It's not just taking a rabbit to the fair and playing with a rabbit. Okay, yes, I'll go to a meeting every month. We have to do a record book too. Okay, yeah, I mean, I was in whatever I had to do. And so we, my older sister started 4-H with me too because she was old enough. And we started with rabbits and did rabbits a couple of years. Well, then the second year we were at the fair, my dad sits us down and he says, hey, do you girls want to show a bucket calf? Well, duh, Of course we wanted to show a bucket calf. Well, we had a friend who had a barn and some land outside of town and would allow us to keep our bucket calves there. So we got, there were, there's three girls in my family. We got these three Charlotte cross bucket calves and they were heifers. And I really don't think they were even orphans. I'm fairly certain the guy we got them from pulled them from the cow for us because he wanted to give us an opportunity to get involved in 4-H. Yeah. And so we had these heifer calves. Well, so we showed them as bucket calves. We showed them as breeding heifers the next year. 
Then we AI'd them and we showed them as cow-calf pairs. They all happened to have bull calves. So then our first market steers were the calves that we raised out of these heifers. And I grew up totally in town. We never lived in the country. And so the fact that I had people in my community who were willing to give us that opportunity um, was huge for me. And then from my standpoint, I just continued. I knew I wanted to be a vet when I was little, but that's the only thing I ever wanted to be until I got in college. Um, And so anything I could do animal related, I wanted to do. Well, I was a crazy horse girl too. loved horses, didn't have a horse. Um, my ag agent gave me the opportunity. No, I say gave me the opportunity. I'm pretty sure my mom made me do livestock judging. So, and I still remember my first set of reasons was on Charlotte heifers. And I cried the whole time because we were at a contest and I didn't know I wasn't going to give them to my coach. So (laughs) I was talking to somebody I didn't know for the first time. So got involved with livestock judging from there, um, decided I wanted to try horse judging. So my agent's daughter and I were the same age. We convinced him that we wanted to horse judge. So he hauled us all over the state doing horse judging and livestock judging. And, um, you know, from there I grew my projects to, I did uh, market lamb. And then when I was in FFA in high school, our chapter always took hogs to Denver. So the only time I was allowed to show hogs was to go to Denver because it was in the winter and you couldn't, they didn't stink as bad. (laughs) (laughs) so you know from there and I think judging is really you know I was caught by 4-H then I was caught by judging and then that just kind of you know propelled me into I guess what I'm doing now because I went to junior college um ended up judging livestock and then went in senior college judged horses and then went on when I was doing my master's and helped coach the horse judging team at K-State so you know 4-H and judging has been a part of my life since I was eight years old um, and really has has impacted me greatly. And, and it affects a lot of the decisions that I make for my kids. And it affects a lot of the decisions that I've made, you know, for myself growing up. So I'm not on the farm still, um, but I got as close as I could um, to get back to it or get close to it as quickly as I could. Hey, that's that's good stuff. And I think something that, that comes to my mind uh, when you talk about um, living in town, but being being involved like in the horse project was, was you involved like with horseless horse? Yeah, they have that. They did. So our county had horseless horse and that's what I started out in because I didn't need a horse. Well, I was going to work with another family that had a horse, but then this family that I babysat for had an extra horse and they said, Hey, do you want to lease a horse? So the first year I got to, I started in the horseless horse project, but quickly, quickly went into the horse project because I had the opportunity to lease one. I leased one for a year and actually my family, uh, my parents ended up buying that place outside of town that we'd kept our bucket calves at. Um, so we owned some ground outside of town that we could keep animals out by then. Um, my first year in the horse project, this family allowed me to lease a horse. My ag agent, who is still an ag agent, he's just on the other side of the state. So Darl Henson was my ag agent. So his family, my first year, allowed me to keep my horse there. And they basically trained me, you know, taught me how to, I knew how to ride, but I didn't know how to show. You know, they taught me everything I needed to know. Um, and really kind of took me under their wings. So 
I started in the Horseless Horse Project, but really quickly moved into the Horse Project. But I think that Horseless Horse Project is really unique because if you do that right, and I mentored a younger 4-H'er through that project when I was in 4-H too, you know, you have them involved in the care and the feeding of the horse. You teach them safety around horses. Um, and then you give them an opportunity to exhibit at the fair or in some way um, with the horse project. So I think that's a, a really fun one. Well, I think that that kind of leads into something I was thinking of when you was talking about that is um, I think sometimes we lose, lose sight that you don't actually have to own a livestock project to be enrolled in a livestock project. I know kids that they'll do a poster. They're, they, they may be in the market goat project. They didn't show a goat at the county fair. They did a, they did a poster, but yeah. they learned about it. And, I, and yeah. I think sometimes we forget that that may be what needs to happen prior to a purchase of livestock. Uh, because I've seen, I've seen it too many times, Kelsey, uh, more times probably with livestock than I have in anything else. Um, a kid tells a parent, hey, I want to show a goat or I want to show a steer. I want to do this. And the parent, instead of being more inquisitive about it and, and talking like what you were saying, you know, there's a record book, you know, there's monthly meetings. They just go get it. And then yeah. all of a sudden they don't have the equipment. So they're going out and buying all the equipment. Also, they've invested a ton of money in something and kids are kids. And sometimes they change their minds um, <laughs> quick. Yes. And at that point, you as the parent have a project. Yes. You'd be working on taking it yeah. to the county fair. And uh, I'll just say, I, I think I said a lot to say, Sometimes I think there's value in those posters rather yes. than going out, spending all that money right off the get-go. Because we, I've seen it here. I've seen it in our county. I've seen it in other counties. I'll be honest. I was one of those kids like an FFA. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a town in, in uh, southern Oklahoma that FFA was as more important than anything else in that yep. little town. Uh, we, we didn't have enough money to... Um, have a football team my senior year. I mean, this town of 500, mm -hmm. we didn't have enough money to support a football team, but we had enough money to send the FFA program to national convention. I mean, that's the yeah. kind of town it was. And we had livestock on feed year round. We had a school farm uh, where if you lived in town, you, ha you had a place to keep an animal. Right. And I can, my, my, my whole experience in that was show, 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 win as much as you can. You know, that's what it was all about. Mm -hmm. I, I completely missed um, the real value. And, and I'm not afraid to admit this or tell this story. Uh, people think I'm kidding, but I'm not. My daughter's first year to show a goat, we lived in Stafford County. Glenn Newdigger, mm -hmm. you know, he'd been the, the agent in Barber County when my wife grew up here. Then he was the agent in Stafford County when my daughter was in 4-H up there. And uh, we should we should go to the county fair. We show, and I had that mentality. We're just gonna go in there. We're gonna kick their butts. Well, <laughs> we didn't we didn't realize we had to stay there for like three days. You know, he's like, "Hey, you can't take your goat home. You got to keep it here." And I'm like, oh, "Okay." So every day we'd go in. I found myself walking around the fairgrounds. Uh huh. I didn't know they had all that stuff at county fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm calling people from Oklahoma. I grew up with. Said, "Did you know they got like?" watermelon and rockets and food and class yeah. I didn't know they had all this stuff at county fairs and they're like 
yeah, we just grew up in livestock born pure. <laughs> yes, yes. But so what do we, I mean, what what do we do in those situations where we see kids, uh, we see the parents become more involved in the project rather than the kids? What, what I mean, what do you, I'm sure you've seen it. What's your thoughts? You know, we say that, the, and I know that happens a lot. Um, but to be honest, I don't know that as an agent, I saw that a lot in the county that, that we're involved in. Um, what I saw was a lot of families that it was a family project. And I personally don't think that there's anything wrong with that because for me, you know, it's what we do with, it's what my kids and I do, you know, it's where we spend time together. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think for a parent though, you know, given the situation that you talked about earlier, the kids excited about having whatever livestock it is, a pig, um, or, okay, let's talk a steer or a goat, because there's a whole lot more equipment involved with that. So you go and you buy everything, right? Well, you have to, you have to draw a line as a parent that this is your project and this is what you're doing. Um, I also think you have to draw a line as a parent that if they're not willing to do the work, you have to be willing to let them fail. And you have to be willing to take an animal to the fair that might look like complete crap because it hasn't been fed right. It hasn't been walked. It hasn't been washed, whatever. You have to be willing to let your kid fail. And that's really hard. You know, that's hard with a livestock project. That's hard with our kids in school. Um, you know, I was always kind of a highly motivated person who um, was motivated by success. And I wanted to do well and I want my kids to do well. But sometimes we have to be, we have to understand that our kids may not care about whether or not they do well. And sometimes it's really good to let them fall on their face. Um, it's kind of embarrassing for you as a parent if you're taking something to the fair that's not the quality that you know it should be or could be. Um, but I also think, you know, there's that other side to that that you kind of have to make them do the work. My little boy was not interested in the goat project at all. Um, so we're in a unique situation where my daughter, when she started 4-H, she got to do cattle and she got to do goats because at that time I was married and financially we could do that. Well, I got divorced. It was a really rough time. She had one year where she could not do any livestock. And then as soon as I could do livestock for her again, I did. And it happened to be the goat project. Well, we were only afforded that possibility because we had a similar situation to what I had growing up. We live in town and we had a friend who was willing to let us have some space for a goat. And so, and we've been able to continue to do that. Well, my son only wanted to show cattle. That just wasn't an option for him. The only option was goats. So I and you know, I've just said, if you want to show the big livestock, you have to prove to me that you're willing to do the work on the little livestock first. And eventually we'll get there. And so, you know, he fought me. He did not want to go and, you know, goats have to be walked every day. They have to be braced. They have to be taken care of. And he wanted to just leave them in a pen and not worry about it. Well, it was really eye-opening for him when he got to the fair and he got his hiney kicked in showmanship because his goat wouldn't lead for him or he didn't know what he was doing. Um, you know, since then I've watched him, we've gone to, to showmanship camp so he can, the kids can both learn to show better. Um, and we've learned a lot there. 
you know, the first year that really didn't push him much, but he kind of, I think was expecting to go in and win again. And he continued, he played baseball, um, too, during the summer. So he did that the first two years he showed goats the third year. So this last year, we're getting ready to pick goats out. And he says, I think I need to buy two goats this year. And I want to show one at the state fair in KJLS. So I'm not going to have time for baseball this year. So he made that decision. You know, I think sometimes it's, we have to teach our kids and push them really hard and we have to fight them. And I don't like fighting with my kids any more than anybody else, but sometimes you have to do that to get them to learn the hard lessons that they need to learn. So. Exactly. We, you know, I had twins that are 10. Uh, one of them wanted to show, want to be in the beef project. Mm-hmm. Her first year in 4-H, <laughs> all 40 pounds of her. Yeah. And uh, we're very fortunate in this county. Uh, there's a gentleman that, that does a program uh, where if you want to be in the beef project, you're taken care of. Doesn't matter who right. you are, you're taken care of. And she had some success. Uh, and it was fun. We, we worked on it together. The next year uh, was the year of COVID. And, mm-hmm. and we went and bought a heifer uh, to be comp- to be more competitive. And mm-hmm. man, we had plenty of time to, to work with that heifer together because school was out, work was out. I mean, we were work, work wasn't out, but we were right. working remotely. And so it's a whole lot easier to take lunch and walk to the pen and work with a heifer versus leave the office, drive 30 minutes, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, fast forward to the fall of 2020, uh, both girls want to show a heifer. And Mm -hmm. so we've got one we raised on feed and then one that my father-in-law raised on feed. And Kelsey, I I went 30 days and girls never showed up at the pens, never fed. I mean, I fed because I thought, I'm not going to let these heifers starve. Yeah. And I called my father-in-law and said, we might as well turn these two out on the week. He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, I'm not going to make them do it. And if they're not going to walk up here, because where our pins are, or it's just a short walk up a hill yeah. at our house. They could ride their bike up there for crying out loud. But it was the, the thought that they weren't even going up, taking a look at them. I'm yeah. not even for sure they knew they was there other than I said, I've got the heifers in the pen. We need yeah. to and when they, I just, we turned them out on wheat. And yeah. was, I, I bet it was after Christmas before they realized they're out on wheat. I mean, and I, and I told them, I said, once they went there, they ain't coming back. Sorry. You're out of the yeah. beef project. I mean, we can, so we can still do the beef project, but we're not going to go show cattle at the fair. Sorry. Right. You know, and, and so that woke them up. And, and, and I'll tell you, that's my experience with my girls has been really good in, in respects that, They've been really responsive to the project. It's what you yes. said, a family effort. We, mm-hmm. we put together a program, and, and like we weigh every Saturday's weigh day. We weigh everything, see where they're at weight-wise. That helps us adjust their feed. Each goat's fed to their strength, not just because they're a goat. Everybody's fed the same. We feed everybody individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, you know, our little exercise program and stuff, but, you know, I wouldn't do that if they weren't engaged. Right. Now, flip side, you know, I, I said, you know, we had that bad experience with the heifer. My oldest daughter, she showed that first year uh, in Stafford County and had success. Um, 
the next year, and, and that was, we're going to do this project together. The next year, the project is hers. Same thing. I'm out there doing everything. And I went, we're done. I sold the goat. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, we're just not going to do it. But I, I will say I've seen, uh, I've seen it happen and, and I've probably been accused of it. You know, when, when a kid leaves the show ring with a livestock project and the parent grabs a hold of the project, mm-hmm. whether it's a steer or a goat, I can tell you, if you've ever seen me do that, it's because I'm giving my child a break yes. because they are little. I mean, these girls yep. are 10 years old. They just now weigh maybe 60 pounds and that's if they're soaking wet and fully clothed, you know, they're little bitty things. And when you're out in that ring, I think we lose perspective of how much effort is going into setting up an animal. Doesn't matter if it's bracing or just yeah. setting up a steer or a heifer. So I'll, I will naturally grab an animal from my kid, mm-hmm. let him shake, shake an arm out, you know, walk, yeah. walk away, take a deep breath. Where I, where I get a little uh, miffed is when I see the dad that's over there combing the steer. We're yeah. grabbing it from that senior that's, you know, that kid that weighs 220 and he's a big old strapping kid. And he's sitting over there sucking on a bottle of water, or shooting the breeze, yeah. and, and dad's over there doing everything. It's like, at what point, you know, do we do we say, hey, you're going to be a part of this deal or are you just here for the, for the ride? Right. Well, and I think, too, sometimes, you know, we don't get the whole story. So I'll give the example in my, in my own County. And I kind of halfway hope and hope nobody from my County hears this. So we have a young man in our County who uh, he's in high school and he has been successful every single year. The only year that he has not won the steer show at our County fair was this year. Now his dad has been involved in selling show cattle for a long time. He's got a lot of knowledge. Um, and so there's, there's some jealousy there from some people. And uh, when we got ready for weigh-in this year, um, the 4-H'er wasn't at weigh-in. Dad was, and there was a, he usually has a hired man. The hired man was there. Now dad was setting up, hired man was really mostly just bringing him things. Um, but I listened to a mom you know, make comments about, well, you see some kids aren't here, you know, and I knew who she was talking about. Um, I've gotten to know this young man. And I know for a fact that he's in that barn at three o'clock in the morning, you know, working hair on these calves. Well, I see him the next day and I said, Hey, how are you? And he just kind of looked down and I said, what's going on? He goes, I'm sick. He goes, I wasn't here yesterday. Cause I'm, I'm sick. And, uh, and that's, you know, it's, we have to take the opportunity to know the whole story. Um, we also have to, you know, had a mom who her son's in high school as well. In fact, he's a senior and he started 4-H in the goat project. And, uh, now he does cattle and it's home raised stuff. And he, he works really hard and does it. He does a nice job for what he's got. He also, um, buys cattle and feeds them out and then sells locker beef. So I heard his mom over and over. This is his project. It's never been our project, which that's great. It should be the 4-H'ers project. But I, I also watched him struggle through that goat project because he had parents who were like, here's the halter. Good luck. You know, wow. and if we're yeah. going to get our kids involved in these projects, 
we as parents have to be involved too. You can't for safety, number one, and your kids aren't going to learn anything if you're not involved and engaged too. The best opportunity for them to learn any project, whether it's foods or clothing or a livestock project, is for the parents to get involved too. Good, good point. Real good point. You yeah. know, I, I, uh, I'm going to just add one little thing on that, and we're going to kind of possibly move a little different direction. But sure. um, when we're looking at those situations like we've talked, and sometimes the, the mom and dad go out and buy all the fancy equipment, I think we've got to keep things in perspective that every year there's kids that are graduating Mm -hmm. They've been involved in a, in a project that may yep. or may not have something that they would loan you or they would sell you at an affordable price. Mm -hmm. Like when we got involved in the beef project, we didn't have any of that stuff. I mean, we right. raised goats, but we didn't have any of the stuff for, for a beef project. And I found a family that, that had graduated and they said, you know what? We've got this over here in, in the barn. It's just been sitting there since so-and-so graduated and come use it when you're done, bring it back. And, then the next person can use it. Yep. You know, and, and so we got in, we didn't invest a lot of money into that deal. We went and found people that we could uh, just borrow uh, some basic equipment. I'm glad we didn't go spend a bunch of money because huh, two years later, we're kicking the projects out on week. Going, we're done yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, you know, our situation is similar. We, the only thing other than the goats and the feed, the only thing we have purchased is a set of clippers. I had a set of clippers, no, two sets of clippers. We had a set of clippers given to us. We had a stand given to us and we have a stand that we're borrowing. So, you know, you're exactly right. There are people getting out of it all the time um, that you can, they're either willing to let you borrow or they'll sell it to you cheap. And that's, and, and, uh, and to go back to the very beginning, that, that adult child relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have to be the parent that's helping. I'm right. going to make that clear. I mean, yeah. I've kids get involved in stuff through the years uh, that are not my children. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, it was making sure they understood there, there are certain, uh, making sure they understood what, what we were doing, why we were doing it. Mm -hmm. um, you can kill sheep really fast if you feed them the wrong feed. Yeah. You know, uh, and yeah. on the flip side, you can make people very, very sick if you don't follow food safety practices in a in a in a cooking project. Yeah, so we've got to have that adult uh, relationship, that supervision. Um, I will tell you, I my mom is a teacher. Both her sisters have been teachers. Uh, extension, we're we're teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, it's ingrained in me that. I can hardly be involved in something with my own kids without teaching them. Right. <laughs> you know, my wife made a comment. We were down on uh, the little river walk in Wichita one time, and they had this uh, history of the, the Native American thing right there. And I'm teaching my kids. She's like, what do you, you can't go nowhere without teaching them. Like, it's part of life. It's me. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. But we're going to do it. We're going to work on that together. And I, so, if you, I think you make a good point. Before we jump to a conclusion that that kid doesn't isn't involved in the project, mom and dad's doing it all. We need to have the whole story. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, 
we uh I'll share a little story that we talked about when uh Jancy wanted to show a heifer. I've shared the story on one of our earlier podcasts. I went to the family because I didn't grow up in the beef project. I grew up raising commercial sheep and raising pigs and showing mm-hmm. pigs. And, and in 1992, when my last pig went on the truck at Oklahoma City, I said, never again. And I've held true to that. <laughs> I'm like, no more pigs. Uh, the only pigs that, that hit this place are here for 24 hours. And then they're going on the truck to the locker plant after the county fair. Yeah, (laughs) but we you know i'd been removed uh from showing and stuff i'd I'd helped people break show cattle when i was when i was younger was around kids that were very successful showing cattle just wasn't my cup of tea right so i went straight to the family in the county that everybody always accused them of cheating yep found out they weren't cheating they were out working everybody yes They, they they did the stuff that nobody thought of. They had practice sessions every evening. They had a little makeshift show ring. They would come in yep. the, the same way that you would come in the ring at the county fair. You know, yep. they would play music. Uh, they would do everything you, that a lot of people don't think of. Yeah. And, uh, well, if you, you know, it's like anything else. If you want to be successful at something, find the person who is successful and do what they're doing. Because you're absolutely right. Most of the time, the people who are being accused of cheating, they're just out working everybody else. They're the ones who are in the barn in the middle of the night or practicing every single night. And there's, you know, there's their, we're going to do this no matter what. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. Well, one more thing I want to kind of touch on. Um, You're involved in a little bit of a grant. Uh, Mm -hmm. A little bit. You're involved in a really, really neat grant opportunity. Yeah. Uh, share about that, uh, if you would. Sure. So we just submitted the final proposal for an Ag Innovators grant um, for Kansas. And so actually our primary location is going to be the West Plains Extension District, which is Scott and Finney counties. But this grant is really cool because the project changes from year to year. And the goal is that we're going to reach a thousand youth and share about ag- agriculture. So this year's grant really focuses on the technology that we use in agriculture and promoting ag literacy. So our goal is to reach a thousand youth and just teach them, you know, about what we do in in ag and what better state to do that in than Kansas, because we are extremely diverse um, in in our agriculture industry. So the project is actually that we're going to get 20, we're going to recruit 20 teens. And so we're going to focus obviously in that West Plains district, but we're going to also offer that to teens from across the state through an application and interview process. And what they'll be responsible for doing is taking this project to to other youth um, in grades three through eight, and that can be through in-school or after-school programs. We're gonna look at some day camp and camping opportunities, and it is an escape room is what it is. And so it's gonna share about GPS, GIS, um, breeding, whether that be plant or animal breeding and just some of the technologies that we do. So we'll be uh, rolling out some information within the next couple months to our local units to share with those kids. And we're excited that, you know, that we could have some kids from across the state. Our state training will be held in Garden City and or Scott County, excuse me. Um, And what better way for kids from the eastern half of the state to learn about what happens in the western half than to actually 
go there and see because growing up in western Kansas and now being kind of in that south central southeast part of Kansas we are incredible it's I mean it's night and day it's incredibly different mm-hmm. um from where I grew up to to where I live now so um I think that that's really cool that we can show kids um all the opportunities that we have in Kansas that is fantastic stuff yeah uh one more thing share a little bit about horse panorama which would be yeah awesome okay horse panorama is coming up uh january 28th through the 30th at rock springs so um lots of times our horse kids miss this because it's not a show but it's a really cool um contest and event opportunity and educational opportunity for kids to do so there is a quiz bowl there's a hippology contest there's public speaking there's even a model horse show um let's see, model horse show and uh, photography judging. And then there's a logo contest. You do not have to be on, you don't have to have a team to participate. You can participate as an individual. Um, Quiz bowl is just what it sounds. It's quiz bowl. Hippology means the study of horses. And so it's kind of like a skillathon and it's just horse based. So there's a test that goes along with that. There's some identification of different tools and parts of horses and colors and things like that. There are great resources for kids to use to study that. So if you have any kind of interest in horses in learning more about horses, uh, this is a great opportunity because you got to do your homework, you know, before you come, you don't want to just show up and hope for the best in quiz bowl or hippology. Um, you want to definitely do your homework and study before you go, but you do not have to own a horse um, to be a part of that. So registration opens the week of December 13th and it'll close, I believe around January 15th. And that'll be on the Kansas 4-H website. Awesome stuff. Awesome yeah. stuff. Is there anything else we need to touch on before we wrap this up? I don't think so. I think, you know, I, I just want people to remember that 4-H really is a family affair. Um, and I think I hear, I kind of get tired of hearing it takes a village or, we, you know, it takes a tribe, but really it does. If we want our kids to be well-rounded, you know, we as adults have to get involved with our kids and with other kids. Um, and that's really what helps us to grow great leaders through 4-H. It's a absolutely wonderful program. And, and like I said, I, I did not grow up in 4-H. When I was old enough to get into FFA, I did. Uh, but I will tell you, I know FFA advisors, ag educational teachers that say those programs are made great because good kids coming out of 4-H. Yes, mm-hmm. those programs. absolutely. And uh, we're, we are very blessed in Barber County that there's been a long history and tradition of, of support for 4-H and extension as well. I mean, mm-hmm. we're married, obviously, but it's still a, it's still important to the people and uh, good stuff. And, and like I said, I, I love it. Love your stories. Uh, I think you're a, a testament of doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. Uh, if you want it bad enough, you can get it. You know, yep. in your case, make a career out of it, which is totally awesome. Yes, absolutely. Elsie, I will say one more thing before I let you go. We've got a family in Barber County that uh, you were their 4-H agent <laughs> over in Cali County. And I was, he speaks highly of you. So, Oh, awesome. On, on, on raising a, a good uh, kid that's now raising kids in Barber County. So yes. this will be 
her daughter's first year in 4-H. Uh, yes. We've taken her to her first livestock judging contest, and we ain't scared her off yet. So well, she, you, you won't. She's yeah. a fireball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, thank you for taking time out of your day uh, yeah. to visit with us, and good luck on everything going down the line. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The County Agent. Be sure to like, subscribe, or leave a review.